an Ironic Media production. Visit us at ironickmedia.com. All right, welcome back to the Stark Transformation Show. I'm your host, Amy Stark. If this podcast has been broadcasting healing vibes into your life, please follow on Apple and Spotify and leave a review. Your review helps other people find this podcast and the transformations continue. And don't forget to share this podcast with anyone you think will benefit. Let's heal together. Hey, 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 it's Amy, your hosting coach. I hope you're enjoying the summer just as much as I am, if not more. This summer, I've selected my most favorite episodes of all time because after 200 episodes, I have quite a lot of content and I don't want you to miss these episodes. We're going to be listening to stories about near-death experiences, talking to angels, how to navigate a dark night of the soul, and how to upgrade your health and change your mindset. These episodes will definitely be worth your time and attention. So let's get started. Welcome to the Stark Transformation Show. I'm your host, Amy Stark. In this show, I'll be sharing messages of hope, healing, and transformation. I'll teach you how to shift your mindset, conquer your fears, and become the best version of you. You'll hear incredible stories of transformation and about the extraordinary journey I've been on for well over a decade. My connection with energy is so strong and I can't wait to share it with you. Let's get started. All right, today on the podcast, I have Deborah Atella with me and she's going to share her near-death experience. And what I really found interesting was that later on, she opened up her psychic abilities. So I wanted to talk to her about that. She actually has a podcast coming out soon, which is called Atella Like It Is. And she's already recorded several episodes and it should be launching soon, right? Yes. So welcome to the show. Thank you for coming and sharing, you know, your near-death experience. And we were also just talking about her dark night. So she will be sharing that with us as well. So thank you and welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, by the way, also, she's Italian and East Coast, and I'm loving it. (laughs) I I miss it. I'm in Colorado, so I kind of miss the East Coast uh, mentality and sound and things like that. It just does remind me of home. So tell us about your near-death experience. It was 2005, and I had heel spurs and plantar fasciitis. And I had been taking an over-the-counter, not an over-the-counter, I'm sorry, a prescription medication for pain. And I'm not the kind of person who takes anything. But the pain was so excruciating. I was on this prescription for pain, and it was being recalled. So the doctor switched me to an over-the-counter pain reliever and told me to take double the dose. And that would be the equivalent of the prescription strength of that drug. It was January 15th, 2005. And as we're recording this, this coming Friday is the 16th anniversary of it. Whoa. I love that. That happened as well with somebody else on the podcast. It was the exact day of it. At the time, I was 36, three little kids, and we woke up on a Friday morning, like normal Friday morning. And the -the over-the-counter pain reliever was helping my foot so much more than the prescription did. And I was like, this is great. My foot's feeling great. I got my two boys off to school. They were in first grade and fifth grade. And my daughter was in preschool. I had a doctor's appointment for something else that morning. So I dropped her off at a friend's house. And then I was going to the doctor's and I was going to be the helping mom in preschool. 
day goes by, have a great day. I'm the helping mom. I make dinner with my husband, the kids, we have dinner. It's a freezing cold Friday night in January. We're all snuggled up watching TV. None of us want to watch what he's watching. I say to the kids, let's get in my bed. We go and we get in my bed. We all snuggle in. We start watching TV. And somewhere in the middle of the night, I woke up, my stomach hurt. So there's a little gross, like I had to go to the bathroom. And I noticed that my middle child, my younger son was in my bed and my little one and my older son, they had made it to their rooms. They were in their beds. Now my bedroom's small. My master bath is tiny. It's not a far walk. It's right there. Like I can reach from my bed into the bathroom. I go into the bathroom and blood comes out and I'm like, oh, wow, why'd that happen? And that morning when I went to the doctors, I had gone and had a uterine biopsy done because I needed some like GYN surgery. Hmm. So in my mind, I'm thinking, what did he do? Why is blood coming from back there? What happened? Disgusting. I'll worry about it tomorrow. I have to go back to bed. So I go back to bed. I wake up again a little while later and go back into the bathroom. And I woke up and I was on the floor. And there was just blood everywhere. And then I woke up again and I was in the bottom of the shower. Oh my God. And I realized, oh my God, I must be passing out. So I threw the shower on to, you know, rinse off. There was blood on me, rinse the blood off, revive myself, threw a towel around myself. And I'm thinking, nobody heard me fall through the shower. What are these people doing? <laughs> Even my son, who was right, he was like right there in my bed. And like I said, you can like put your hand from my bed into the bathroom. That's how close it is. No one woke up. So I made it to the top of the steps and I went to call my husband because he had fallen asleep downstairs. His name's Jeff. And what I think is going to come out is like, Jeff. And Jeff came out. And I was like, oh shit, where's my voice? So as I'm saying his name, My oldest son woke up and heard me and I said, go get daddy. Went back, sat in the shower and my husband like comes in our room. He's like, where are you? And he he comes into the bathroom and he just starts screaming. Now I am high strung. I am sassy, a lot of energy. He's real calm and even all the time. He starts freaking out, yelling to my son, like this is 2005, get the cordless phone, get the cordless phone. Get the cordless phone. I'm like, who are you calling? He's like, 911 and your mother. Who do you oh think God. I'm calling? And I'm like, what? Are you call- Why? He's like, you're blue. And I'm like, <gasps> blue. 911 <laughs> comes. Now everybody's awake. Three kids are sitting on my bed. I don't want oh, them to see the bathroom because there's blood everywhere. And in my crazy mind, we had just had the bathroom refinished. The contractor left the day before Christmas Eve. Now, this is January 15th. And this is what I'm thinking. I got to clean this. Yeah. And I, this couldn't happen before they ripped the bathroom out. This is disgusting. <laughs> How am I going to clean this? So now 911 comes. My best friend comes because she's closer living to us than my mom. They take me out. And as they're taking me out in the ambulance, I say to the kids, don't worry. I'll be right back. I'm okay. I love you. Stay with Adria. Grandmom's coming. I'll be back. And then my husband's like, mommy's fine. We're going to be right back. We just have to get her checked out. And my best friend starts screaming. Are you crazy? She's dying. Look at her in front of my kids. No. Oh my God. She's dying. Note to self. We never have called her again in emergency. (laughs) Thankfully, we never had an emergency like that again. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) So I get in the ambulance and I start telling them where I want to go. 
Cause I'm like in between a few hospitals and there's one that's really <laughs> crappy. There's one that's really great. And there's one that's in. Eh. So I tell them where I want to go to the really good one. And they're like, honey, you're not making it to there. And I'm like, you don't know me. Yes, I am. Like, I have to go there. They're like, you're not going there. They put the sirens on. It's the middle of the night. And right. why they need sirens? That's how in desperate condition I was, right? Wow. We get to the emergency room and they put me in a room. And if anyone's familiar with the emergency department, you're usually like in a bay, right? Like yep, with yep, a yep. curtain thing. They Unfortunately been the there. Room, right? <laughs> like in a room, like a real room. They put me in this room and that doctor's coming in and out, whatever. So now a doctor comes in and he says to me, we can't monitor your heart in here. We need to move you to a different part of the emergency room department. And after you're there, we monitor you for a while. They're preparing a room in intensive care for you. Then we're going to send you up to intensive care. Oh my gosh. So my bossy self sits up in bed and I was like, I'm not going to intensive care. I'm fine. Like I just, whatever, I got to go. I can't go to intensive care. I'm not sleeping here. I'm not staying over. I got to take the kids to school tomorrow. (laughs) Right? Like, wait, my Christmas tree was still up. And all I could think of was my mother was coming over and she was going to be like, really with this? I was going to get in trouble. (laughs) That would be my mom. Right? (laughs) That's funny. So now- as I sit up and I'm like giving the doctor all this, you know, sass, I threw up and I passed out. Hmm. Now, what my husband said happened was I came back around. They got me out of bed, the doctor, nurse, whoever else, and started to walk me out of the room. What? And I pa- I don't know why I wasn't even allowed out of bed. And I passed out again right at the door. My husband said when I passed out the second time, they scooped me up, took me away, and sent him to the waiting room. But what I know happened was I threw up, I passed out, and I was in the light. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm in the light. Like, I knew that I was in there. And I was like, oh, God. And instantly, as soon as it registered to me that I was in this light, and it was so gorgeous and so like magnificent, complete love. I can't even explain the color of white that it was or, or how beautiful it was or, or the, the, the level of love that was in there. And I realized that my cousin, Laura was behind my left shoulder. She mm. was killed in a car accident in 1992 and we called each other, bud. We were like sisters. I know she's behind me. So I start to turn my body to the left and I'm like, Oh my God, bud. And she starts pushing me. She starts pushing my left shoulder and pushing and pushing, but I could turn my head, you know, to the left and see her. She just won't let me turn my body and hug her. Mm. And I'm begging, let me hug you. Let me hug you. Let me hug you. And the more I beg, the harder she pushes me and pushes and pushes and pushes until she pushes me so hard that I am sitting up in bed and they're like, lay down. I lay down and now she's there. Now she was in full physical form before this. Now that I'm awake and back in this world, she's a little ball of energy like Tinkerbell. And she's swooshing all over me. She's like head to toe examining me. She's all over the nurses and she's just flying everywhere. And I can like hear it and feel her like shoosh, 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 shoosh. So my husband comes back and I'm like, oh my God, see Laura? He's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, look at Laura. Do you see her? And he's like, Deb, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. And I'm like, no, Jeff, look at her. Oh my God. Did you feel her? She's all over. And he's like, Deb, I'm going to need you to shut the fuck up. 
because they're going to get a straight jacket instead of taking you to intensive care. He's like, stop talking. And I'm like, no, look at her. Look at her. They take me to intensive care. And as soon as I get in there, I know she's in the room already. She's right past me. And now she's all over every, every inch of the intensive care room. She's everywhere. And I'm saying to my husband, look at her, look at her, look at her. And my nurse, <laughs> who was this angel of a woman, is trying to talk to me. And all I want to do is look at her, is look at this light that's everywhere, right? And so, you know, the nurse, they get me settled in. My husband's like, shut up, shut up, shut up. And then we're in there. And I realize that my father-in-law, who died in 2000, and my brother-in-law, who died in 91 or sitting in the corner of the room. Oh, wow. And that's my husband's father, my husband's brother. So now I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> your dad and your brother are right there. Oh my gosh. He's like, my wife is dying and my wife is crazy. And the last conversation I'm going to have with my wife is telling her to shut up. This is not good. Right. Wow. Like, Deb, please stop it. And I'm like, what do you mean stop it? Long story short, the perfect doctor comes in and they wanted to cut into me to do a little exploration, see what was happening. She made them leave. I was so young. I was only 36. She's like, you need to give her a chance. Like, can we figure out what's happening? And I had a colonoscopy and endoscopy and something else done. And so over-the-counter medicine caused the hemorrhage. So I didn't need surgery, but I was in intensive care from Saturday morning until Thursday night. And my cousin, Laura, and my father-in-law, my brother-in-law stayed in my room until Wednesday night when they knew that I was out of danger. Wow. They knew I was going to be okay. They knew everything was going to heal. I wasn't going to need surgery. And then they left. Now, my father-in-law and brother-in-law would be there all day. As long as my husband was in the room, they were in the room. But Laura never left until they all left that Wednesday night. What did they say when they were sitting there? Did you hear what they had to say? They said nothing. I just knew that they were there like to hold my husband up. Like they were there for him. Not that they weren't there to watch over me, but they were there for support for him. And she was there for me. Wow. And they were, they would have come if they were alive. Right, 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 right. That makes sense. So how did you move on past that? Like, you know, did you, I mean, I'm, I guess you told your husband again when you were out of the hospital to be like, listen, <laughs> what I was saying was really happening. And I know that it was crazy and I probably should have shut up at the time, but <laughs> what did no, you think? No, of course not. I can't even say, I wasn't even saying it that nice. I was like, you know, I wasn't fucking lying. You know, <laughs> I saw them, you know, they were there. And he was like, I know they were there. Wow. I know it. I believe you that okay. they were there. I can wrap my mind around that at that time. Right. I yeah. know they were there. I believe you. Right. Nice. Mm-hmm. So was that, would you consider that your dark night of the soul? So it let that, <laughs> that led into my dark night of the soul. Whoa. So as I was in the hospital, like one of my favorite great aunts died the day before I got out of the hospital and over the, it took a year for me to feel like all the way better because I had lost so much blood. I was so anemic. I was so weak. Like you, and at the time I was like, I was a spinning instructor. I worked out all the time. Um, you just lose it so quickly, Hmm. you know? And I kept saying to them, you don't know about me. I'm strong. I'm fine. Well, you did basically die. So I did. So (laughs) (laughs) that does give you a setback most times, (laughs) most times. Right. 
So then that led into that year that it took for me to recover. My great aunt died. My godmother, who I adored, died. The grand Laura's, my cousin Laura's other grandmother that we didn't share died. And I mm. loved her. My grandma, my maternal grandma died, who was my person. That destroyed me. And then my grandma, Laura, who Laura was named after, died. So all these like major women who had influence in my life were just like, boom, 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 boom. And I was distraught. And I just, I'm going to cry now. Like when Laura died, I thought that was the most pain that I had ever felt until my grandmom died. And then I was like, oh shit. And my parents were alive at the time. My mom's still alive, but my grandmom, I was closer to her than anybody. And when she died, I was like, oh my God, who takes care of me now? And not that my parents didn't when I was growing up. Right. But I always preferred her, mm. always. And it sent me like into such, it was horrible, like such darkness of why am I here? Why would they, she leave me? And the whole, you know, things that you, that go through your mind. And as I was starting to come out of it, I start to come out of it and it's years because she died in 2006. I'm finally like, okay, I'm like clawing my way out. It's 2010. And at the end of 2010, like it was a long time, the end of 2010 into 2011, we bought a retail business that I didn't want, that every fiber in my being was screaming at me, don't do it, they're lying. Deep down, I knew that it was my intuition telling me, but I kept shutting it up and just listening to my ego. So then I went into, you know, I was... I was a fitness instructor. So I, I made my own schedule. So I never missed a thing for my kids. I was at everything. And it went from me being home all the time to me working like 14, 16 hours a day and never being home and missing everything. That's so hard. It was horrible. So I thought that time leading up after my grandma was dark, that was even darker. And in 2012, I was like, I am coming so undone. And I had done years of therapy prior and therapy is amazing. And and I really believe everybody in the world should be in therapy at some point, but I needed something else. Hmm. And I got it in my mind (laughs) that I had to meditate. So I asked a friend who had this like yoga studio, do you know anybody who meditates? And she connected me to someone and I would go and I would meet this light of a woman And it was the first time I ever had Reiki and she would lead me through a guided meditation, clear me, we do Reiki and have these incredible conversations and sessions with her. And I would feel great. And I could go on for like two, three weeks and then I would come back and have another session. So I started to get energy work regularly, still not clicking in my mind, like how juicy and delicious, right? Energy work is right. But it sustained me and got me through the rest of the time that we had that business. And we closed the business in 14. And then I would see her not as regularly. In 2017, I was so going through this thing that I was like so unsatisfied. Like looking at my life, we incurred a shit ton of debt from closing the store. The lease was up when we bought the business. You know, we knew when the lease was going to end. That's why I agreed to do it because I knew I could get out. I got a job working for a friend in his optometry office. I ran the office. 
And on Wednesdays, he only has evening hours. So every Wednesday, I would lay on the sofa and play games on my phone and watch stupid TV and be like, what's going on with my life? I'm unsatisfied. What am I going to do with my life? I'm supposed to be doing something. What am I supposed to be doing? And then again, it came into my head. Meditate. All the answers will come if you just shut up and sit still. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So then I decided, okay. And I learned transcendental meditation and I knew how to meditate myself and whatever. I just would never do it regularly. But whenever I did it for a period of time, I felt so good and I knew the benefits of it. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to meditate every day, even if it's for one minute. I never keep promises to myself. I would joke that I was such a quitter. The only two things in life I didn't try and quit were my marriage and I wasn't allowed to quit school because I tried to quit school but I even quit life for a little bit. Right. Right, So I was like, Oh my God, I'm such a quitter. So I'm like, I'm going to keep this promise to myself and I'm going to meditate every day for a year. Even if it's only for one minute, no matter what it looks like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to show up for myself. And I know that my whole life is going to change and all the answers are going to be there. Wow. Awesome. And they were surprise. Surprise. (laughs) Well, not surprise. Not really. Right. Yeah, we do. We do. So then what did you do after that? So what happened was, so now I'm on this, you know, I start meditating and I start getting my mind open to all these different things. And I had always like dabbled in personal development things. I always knew of this woman, Sally, from Allie, my friend Allie, who I used to meditate with. And Sally, I knew would do these things called women's circles. And I was like, what is that? And she had this gorgeous studio at the time, not far from my house. So now I'm like, I'm going to go. I used to always do things like how to have a partner to go with me. I wouldn't do stuff by myself, you know, like mm-hmm. needed a girlfriend or a friend to go with me. Yep. But I'm like, I'm just going to go. And I showed up at this woman's circle having no idea what it was, what was going to happen. I just knew some door was going to open for me in my life. I showed up. I'm late. I couldn't find it. I find it. I'm like, I'm sorry. She's like, don't apologize. Sit down. Welcome. They start going around the circle. I'm the fourth person in, I get hysterical crying. Now I'm late. I'm mortified. (laughs) I don't know one person there. I'm like, what is happening to me? Why am I crying? And then I wasn't finally able to compose myself, speak whatever I had to say. And it went on. And I was like, this is the most incredible thing I've ever experienced ever. These women are all strangers, right? And they're like, whatever. You're all right. We're here. We got you. We're all together. Nobody judged. And I was like, I don't, I I have to have a session with you. She was, she's a Reiki master and she does soul coaching. And I'm like, I need a session with you. She's like, all right, let's set it up. And then I start to see her regularly. And from the second that I started to see her, she's like, you're a healer. And I'm like, you're crazy. (laughs) She's like, you're a healer. And I'm like, I'm not. I'm not doing that. I don't, I'm not touching people. I don't, I skeeve people. I'm not touching anybody. I'm not doing any of that. I'm scared. I'm scared of demons and scary shit. She's (laughs) like, stop it. Like, that's not going to happen. And then of course I'm like, well, you don't know. And she's like, I know. (laughs) And then I, (laughs) you're like, fuck you. (laughs) Right. Like, you know, and I'm always like, my standard answer is, well, you don't know about me. You don't know. (laughs) She's like, just come back next week. And I'm like, all right. So then I go and I, and I coach with her regularly and I get attuned to Reiki and 
She's like, you're not going to be able to keep your hands to yourself. I'm telling you now. And I'm like, I'm keeping these raking hands to myself. I'm not touching anybody. I'm never being a healer. I'm a coach. In the meantime, I got certified to be a coach, a life coach. I'm like, I'm not doing healing work. It's just for me. It's quiet. It's my own thing. Well, that's not how it works. It Mm. can't help but come out. Right. 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 And as soon as I gave in again, just things open up. Is that what meaning your Claire's opened up? I didn't know what they were called. I didn't know. I still don't know what they're called. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) They're the most goofiest names. I'm always like, it's let's just call them something else. Right. So you all, you know, everybody hears of clairvoyant and I knew that I wasn't clairvoyant. Like that wasn't my strongest Claire. Right. And then I guess it was when I was working with Sally, when I first started working with Sally, that I started, you know, Claire audience, Claire sending Claire cognizant. And I was like, I always know things. I always know things. So I thought that that was my strongest one, but it's not. It's Claire audience. I hear. So I was oh, wow. never, I, I was never paying attention that I actually heard it first before I felt it hmm. or knew it. Got and of course, I was always expecting it to be a voice like Deborah, listen <laughs> to this, like like some <laughs> kind of thing, like like a symbol or a crash or whatever, lightning before the, it spoke. And that's yeah. not it. No, it's just no. my voice. So, what was that like having all those things open up for you and and certainty here and recognize that you had this gift? So I knew from when I was really little that I always knew things about people, but I would get in trouble when I would speak them. Mm. So I would always tell my mom they're bad. They're going to ask you for money. They're going to do this. They're lying. I don't like the way they feel. I don't want to, don't make me kiss them. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to see that person. Don't let them near me. And I would get in trouble for it. So I shut it down. And then when I started to work with Sally, I started to feel into all of them. And I was like, oh, I've been doing this my whole life, but not letting it be known, not letting it out. And so when I would say things to my husband, like, we shouldn't do this or this, this, and this is going to happen when we go somewhere. This person is going to say this, or this is this, you know, this is what they meant. And and then things would fall apart and happen. And he would be like, stop it, stop it. That's not, that's not it. Even though he believed me about Laura and his father and his brother, he wouldn't ever listen when I said other things until it got to the point that I was like, listen, I'm all these things, believe it or not. But I can't, I have to make decisions from these feelings, from these things that I know more so than what it says on paper. Right. I always say that. I'm like, Mm -hmm. this doesn't make sense, but this is what I know. Mm -hmm. And we'll just see how it plays out. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it hurts to go against your intuition on a physical level or like energetic level. You know, you can just feel the uncomfortability of like, like, oh, I can't even like at this point now, I can't even do things that don't feel right. Yes. And I think that gradually got, you know, worse and worse over time, you know, like meaning it got stronger and stronger about holding me back from doing something that was not in alignment with me, you know, became more noticeable. Well, you, you had told me to ask you about why are habits so important. So how do you want me to lead into that? By me creating the habit of meditating every day. And I knew that I just couldn't leave it up to if I felt like it, or I hate like, oh, I'm so disciplined. Like I went to 12 years Catholic school. Discipline has like that bad connotation to it. It's punishment, it's trouble. Right. So I was like, okay, how am I going to help myself do this? Even on the days when I don't feel like it and I, you know, give myself the out, what am I going to do? So I'm like, I have to make it a habit. And from me making that a habit, I kept a promise to myself and I created a morning routine 
And by creating that morning routine and then learning how to make it a habit and keeping a promise to myself, it gave me confidence. Mm -hmm. And that confidence led to me trying things. That wasn't for me. I tried it. I didn't like it, but let me try this. Okay, that's working out. I like that. Let me go a little further with it. Okay, wait, I have to go this way. All right, now I have to go that way. So habits help you keep promises to yourself and they build your confidence. And I think we all need that a little more of that because confidence, you know, isn't just, I don't know, you're not just born with it. Like you can, you learn it, you can learn it and and cultivate it and increase it in yourself. Like I'm still scared to do things. I do things all the time that I'm scared to do, but I can't, I trust myself enough to know. And I have things right that have backed it up. Okay. I tried stuff and it worked out. I tried stuff and it didn't, and I didn't die. I died from something else. And that was actually pretty cool. It was way worse things happened to me than that. Yeah. It's all okay. Just keep trying. You know, your fifth chakra is about how you speak your truth to others, but also even maybe more importantly than that is how you speak to yourself because it's Mm -hmm. constantly happening. And when you don't believe what you're saying to yourself or to others, that's what erodes your confidence. And I think that's what you're talking about is like, yes, you're like, no, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to let myself down. And that's what builds that confidence. It builds the fifth chakra, you know, and the energy of that. So then, and then you have more confidence to even speak your truth because you're not afraid that you're going to be you know, a fool or lying or, you right. know, found out or something like that. So I like how you talked about that. Yeah. It is so important to have a ritual. In fact, I was just saying that this morning. I'm like, I got to get back into working out, you know, regularly. I said, it's okay. I just need to get into the habit of it. You know, and I said that to my, my partner. Mm-hmm. And then once I'm in it, I know I won't sway from it, at least not for a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is there anything else you want to share with us? You have a new podcast coming up and do you want to talk about that? Sure. So I have a new podcast coming out. It's called A Tella Like It Is, The Real Story Behind the Highlight Reel. When I was trying to come up with a name for it, my one of my sons was like, Mom, a tell it like it is. It's all you do is tell it like it is. You always tell the truth. <laughs> and I'm like, you're right. I do. Now, so, it's funny. Is that the East Coast in you or is that the Italian in you? you think? I think it's all of it. Yeah, right. right? It's, it's like a double whammy combination. A whole double whammy. So I would be in trouble. I, I would joke, but it's really true. I was in trouble all my life for telling the truth. Don't ask me if you don't want to know, like, you know, friends or family, like I'm going to tell you Mm -hmm. that guy sucks. What are you doing? (laughs) You know, he sucks. Like, what are you doing? Why are you asking me? I'm not going to sugarcoat it or, you know, or whatever. So I always say, why would I lie to you? (laughs) Right. There's what benefit is it for me to lie? There's, you know, there's none. So what I have found, I know in my life and in working with clients and friends and family, people put this facade out, right, on social media. They put their highlight reel out, these gorgeous pictures. And I can't tell you how many people I know that are putting these pictures out of this, you know, incredible family life or business or whatever. And I know that that's not true. Mm. I don't let that hold me back from doing things, but a lot of people let that hold them back from Mm -hmm. doing things. And I just want people to know, like, this is what it took for me to get here, or this is what it really takes to build a business. This is what it really takes to raise kids or have a successful relationship. It's not these pretty pictures, right? It's so much more than that. So do the things that you want to do and know that it's messy for everybody. Mm -hmm. And don't let their pretty pictures and that highlight reel hold you back. We all have a gift to share something to say, like everybody matters and everybody's story matters and everybody should get to tell it. 
So that's right? why I'm doing the podcast. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's where the juice is in life. Like we want to connect with people. We want to not feel alone or isolated. When we see other people having perfect lives, obviously we're like, that's not the way it is here, you know, for the most part, you know, with exception. Yeah. And also I'm sure because you can tell it like it is and you're intuitive, you can see those pictures and you can see the pain in the eyes and, you know, yeah. And the smile Mm -hmm. and that you can even, for me, I can feel what they're thinking in the picture and being like, oh, I hate getting my picture taken or this is really annoying or whatever. I, and Mm -hmm. I, so I, it's funny. I read a lot from just a photograph, so I'm sure you do too. Yeah. And it just breaks my heart when, when people have things that they want to do and they let that image that somebody else is putting out there hold them back or they think there's not oh the the you know market saturated with this or whatever it is that they're trying to do whatever if it's a business or whatever even a vacation that it just breaks my heart that people let that hold them back right i like to think about all the music that is out there and all the artists and singers and things like that and you're like well there's something for everyone really you know and yep. and if you, somebody was like well there's already a, a singer so i'm not going to do it <laughs> You're like, right? but, but there's so many different genres and there's so many different ways of singing and uh, you could be male or female and, you know, all the, or anything in between. <laughs> right. Um, right. But yeah. Yeah. So I, I also, I, I want everybody to be their fullest expression as well. So it sounds like we're on the same page. And it, and that's what I found with the near death experience errors. I do have a very similar energy signature and belief about the world and who we are and why we're here. Mm-hmm. So it's very nice to catch up with you. And I wanted to tell you, so every day, or sorry, every time, because I record every day almost, <laughs> uh-huh. I sit down and I ask Spirit what they want the listener to, to get from our talk. Mm-hmm. And it was talking about being scared of the afterlife and not having control of when we leave. And mm-hmm. and I feel like when you were talking about, you know, all these people who pass, you know, they passed, but you didn't. So you still had some light to share. And so what, what are your thoughts on being afraid to cross over? You know, what, what would you tell somebody who's afraid about crossing over? The love it's so magnificent and complete and there's nothing bad over there. There's bad crap here because people have free will and they, and, and they're making it bad, but everything over there is perfection. I love that. So it's just beautiful. I'm not suggesting that anybody hurry up and do things to get there before they should get there. Right. But don't be afraid when it is your time to cross over. Your time. So you yep. do believe there is a time that we are to cross over. I do. I think it's out there. It's so crazy to know that it's like a day and a time that it's going to happen and we don't know right. when. Right. And we don't know when. And obviously, you know, January 15th, 2005 was not my day and time. Today's, I think, the 13th. And so yes. then that would be Friday the 15th would be again. That's. Uh-huh. Are you a little bit nervous about that? No. So actually, so I went to sleep on the 14th at, on a Friday night and then woke up on, oh, the 15th, on a Saturday, on a Saturday okay. morning. Yeah. Okay. So no. And it's funny, like in the, be- the first couple of years, I was like so dramatic about it. <laughs> so dramatic, like, Jeff, you have to make sure you don't fall asleep on the sofa. You have to be in bed. These are the pajamas I was wearing. I'm wearing them again. Like, why? Yeah. Yeah. So dramatic yeah. about it, but I didn't tell the story of it a lot until I started to work with Sally. And then she was like, you have to tell your story. And I'm like, well, who wants to hear that? And you know, when things are just natural to you and you don't think that they're extraordinary or, mm-hmm. or why would anybody care? So that's what I thought of it. And she was like, Deb, that's extraordinary. How many people in your life do you know who've had a near-death experience? I'm like, none. 
She's right. like, see? <laughs> right. I know. I, I was posted in a group on Facebook. Like I'm looking for a ne- one near death experience <laughs> or <laughs> I was like any leads Does somebody knows somebody who knows somebody that I could get in contact. And then here I have like 15 people reached out and I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like I had no idea mm-hmm. that it was happening so frequently, you know, but still not many people know somebody. Right. Anyway, it was so wonderful to talk to you and I can't wait to hear your podcast. When do you launch? It's going to be up by the end of February. I'm getting ready to have my first grandson. Oh, I, first of all, I can't even believe that you're, you're old enough to have a grandson. You look so young. Um, It must be the meditation and just the lightheartedness that you have. That I got good genes, right? Yeah. 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 The Italian genes are pretty good for that. (laughs) So when is the baby due? The baby's due February 24th. So I want to have everything loaded and ready and be able to push play so that I can go and, and just be in baby mood with my son and daughter in love. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. Well, thank you for being on the podcast and sharing your story. And I, I hope you enjoy your new grandson. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it so much. So Deborah, tell me how people can find out more about you. Cause I know you have some Facebook groups that they might be interested in and you also have a website. It's my name, DebraAtella.com, and I'm on Instagram at DebraAtella, and it's D-E-B-O-R-A-H. And then I have a Facebook group called Sisterhood of What Next for women wondering, what the hell am I doing with my life? (laughs) (laughs) I know you're out there. (laughs) I know you're out there, and there's a whole lot of them out there. So I do a lot of like you know, like live coaching in the group, meditation. Every day there's a different theme. There are certain days that I allow for self-promotion because everybody should have their stuff out there, not just mm-hmm. my stuff in there, you know? Right, right. And it's a really great community. Cool. That sounds great. Yeah. I so check that out. We all could use a sisterhood. In fact, actually that's one of the things that I miss the most right now is getting together with the women. We had a women women's circle and mm-hmm. it was so wonderful and so beautiful. And like you said, you know, you just like, I feel so held and not judged. And you realize you're not the only one going through something, you know, because on yes. social media you get a different picture. But then when you have these women's circles, they're like, Oh my God, my husband's, you know, <laughs> so annoying and the kids are driving me nuts, you know, and you're just like, Oh, yes. I'm not so different. Absolutely. I actually did a virtual circle last night with women that are in the sisterhood. And it was Oh, cool. Incredible. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh-huh. Nice. All right. Well, everyone check that out. Yes, if you're you. a sister. <laughs> if you love today's podcast, you're going to love the UR Energy course. I'm going to drop the link below so you can pick up that course. I go much more in depth about the science behind healing and I share the tools and techniques that I use every single day to help my body heal. All content provided by Amy Stark and or her guests on the Stark Transformation Show website or other platforms, including text, images, audio, or other formats, are created for informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of a physician or qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition. Amy Stark is not a doctor or a therapist.